0: The title of today's message is The Key is Your Heart. The Key is Your Heart. And we're going to spend our time uh, in the scripture in Luke's gospel. Go ahead and turn there to Luke chapter 6. And verse 43 is going to be our starting point today. uh, And as we'll continue studying the Sermon on the Mount from Luke's perspective. Let's read verse 43 from Luke's gospel chapter 6 today. The word of God says this, a good tree doesn't produce bad fruit. On the other hand, a bad tree doesn't produce good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. Figs aren't gathered from thorn bushes or grapes picked from a bramble bush. A good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. I don't know if you have watched what tends to happen today when someone has a misstep and it's public. Uh, It often starts with kind of this mea culpa apology that's really not much of an apology. Have you ever noticed that when a politician or a celebrity or someone messes up, they go before the news media and they say, if I've offended anyone. Well, the reason you're speaking about it is because you offended someone. So that's, that's the wrong foot to start right there. They're, you're obviously there for a reason, right? And, and, but there's something else that happens here that I think is really interesting when you listen to people talk about these things. Because they don't really make an apology as much as they make an excuse. And then they say something like this. In effect, they basically say, that's not who I am. That doesn't represent my character. So for instance, if I lose my temper and say a bad word or I say something that's racially insensitive, if I stand up and I say, I'm sorry for doing that, but it's not who I am, I don't really understand what Jesus is talking about here, do I? Because Jesus says that out of the overflow of our heart, comes the words from our mouths. And in fact, what I have said and what I have done speaks to who I am and to my character. In the Bible, the seat of our character is in the heart. That's why the message is entitled, The Key is the Heart. It all starts with your heart. And out of the heart springs everything in our lives. And our character is formed there. And I want you to see how This works out. There are three basic principles from this passage to help you understand and help us to get to the heart. And what they're going to do is provide for us a little bit of what we might call a heart checkup. So I want you to think of it this morning as going to a cardiology appointment with the Holy Spirit as the doctor, giving us the checkup that we need about our hearts. And the first principle that you need to see is that you cannot game the system. You cannot game the system. It's impossible to do. Look at verse 43 again with me because it lays it out for us. A good tree doesn't produce bad fruit. And on the other hand, a bad tree doesn't produce good fruit. Good trees don't produce bad fruit and likewise bad trees can't produce good fruit. In the real world, many fruit trees reach their maturation point around 10 years of age. But it doesn't happen by accident. If you read about this, you'll understand that that people talk about there being three combinations of things that must be present for a tree to be a good producing fruit tree. You need good soil, the right amount of water, and the right amount of light. Those things make up the things that are necessary for a tree to produce good fruit. It never happens by accident. If you don't have those things, you're out of balance. And now you don't have a tree that's producing as it should. The tree itself isn't good. Maybe you've seen a tree like this. Maybe you've gone somewhere and thought, ooh, apple, that looks good. And you pick it and you bite it and you think that doesn't taste good. Something's not right. And it's not just the fruit because it's not just a piece of bad fruit that you plucked off the tree. It's the tree It doesn't have the right combination. Now, the biblical principle here for us to remember, uh, you know, you may be able to fool a lot of people, but ultimately, the production of your life will tell everyone who you are. You may be able to fool people for a season, but the production of your life will tell who you are, and ultimately, you can't fool God. You can't use the cheat code. You can't game the system. Who you are comes out. And Paul states this explicitly for us in Galatians chapter six when he said, don't be deceived, God's not mocked. For whatsoever a person sows, he will also reap. You might be able to fool me, you might be able to fool your friends for a while, but ultimately we can't ever fool God. And I don't know what it is about us, but we all think that we can. We all do this. We all think that we can hide these things from God. And I I think we should have learned from Adam and Eve so long ago that it's impossible to do, and yet we constantly find ourselves doing this. Do you remember what happened when Adam and Eve ate of the, the tree of knowledge that they were prohibited from eating from in the book of Genesis? The scripture says something amazing about what happened. It said that God was doing what he normally did. He came to walk in the garden and hang out with them like he did on a regular basis. This was something that happened regularly for them. They had time with God. They they spent time with God in a relationship that we can hardly even fathom because it was God being a friend to them, God walking and, and just conversing with them. But on this day, they tried to hide from the Lord. That's funny, isn't it? Have you ever played hide and seek with a toddler? Right? I love it. I I love love watching toddlers experience things and discover things, don't you? I mean, it's it's a great thing. I don't want to parent any more toddlers, but I sure do like watching the toddlers around our church. I love hanging out with them, right? I mean, I, I love to see that. And I love to see when they play hide and go seek when they're learning how to do that. Because they do things like this. They walk over into a corner and they close their eyes like this with their hands over their eyes and they think you can't see them because they can't see you, right? You've experienced that, haven't you? And I mean, it's kind of a hilarious thing and you play the ruse for a little while. You walk around and where is so-and-so? I can't find them. You, You see them right there. Do we think we're really hiding anything from God? Do we think that we can get away with that? If we do, we're really just like a toddler, aren't we? We're just like Adam and Eve were. It's impossible for us to hide these things from God. And the only person who can't see is us. We're blinded by it. And I know that we know we can't hide from God, but we act like that sometime and pretend he doesn't see us. But you can't hide who you are. And the scripture says you're either good or you're bad. The fruit that you're producing is going to be good or bad, it's plain and simple. Now, as a person gets older, you learn sometimes that you can't be like that toddler, right, I mean, you, you go to the doctor as you get older and they start to measure things that are irrefutable, right, you, you go and get the blood work done and you can tell the doctor, I haven't been eating many sweets. And they go, really? Your a A1C's off the charts, huh? What have you been doing? I mean, you, you can't hide it, right? I mean, there's some markers in your life that become irrefutable for you. And, and I think it, it, it's like sometimes we feel like we can game the system, we can chase the latest fad, the health fad. Man, if you just use this, your life is going to be perfect. You're going to reverse aging in your life by 20 years. And you know, I always think that we must go into our doctors and they must think that we're crazy as we talk about these things. One of the things that my doctor regularly asks me is how much time I've spent on the internet looking at things like WebMD. Why does he ask me that? Because I ask him crazy questions all the time. Hey, have you ever heard about this? Don't do it. You can't game the system. It doesn't work. And the same thing for us spiritually. When it comes to who we are and what our character is And what it says about us, you can't fake your way through it. It doesn't work. You you can't pretend but for so long because who we are at our core, our heart, our character will be the thing that comes out for everyone to see. And I want you to understand it's exactly what God already sees. Second principle is that you're going to be known by your fruit. Look at verse 44. For each tree... Is known by its fruit. Figs aren't gathered from thorn bushes or grapes picked from a bramble bush. And when you think about this, we're essentially talking about the outworking of our lives is going to be evident of, or evidence, I should say, of who we are. Jesus said, You are known. Now, this word you are known is the same word that we often use for recognized. You know, you're recognized. And often we recognize people for certain things that they do or distinguishing characteristics that they have. We recognize celebrities for movies they've acted in or or, or songs that they sing. Sometimes we recognize people for philanthropic work. I mean, they're known by those types of things because of the outworking, evidentiary things of their lives. I mean, it's who they are. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying about us, we're recognized. And we can say that we're of the faith, but if we do not deny the faith by how we live, we're not living in our core, in our heart, in our character, in a way that's keeping with who we say we are. Now, I think there's always a temptation for believers to hold the truth, mentally or intellectually, to, to know the truth, to claim to be of the truth, and yet to produce something that's different because that truth hasn't been fully seated in our hearts. And that kind of thing is, is no good. And In many ways, it's easy for people to have a belief than it is for that belief to change their way of life. It's easy to give mental consideration and, and affirmation to the gospel but it's not always easy for us to live that out and allow it to rule our heart's desires. And when that happens, we're in the spot that Jesus is talking about here. And he, he's, he's kind of speaking about this, this um, disconnect in our lives when he says, you're not going to get one type of fruit from a thorn. You're, you're not gonna get a fig from a thorn. You're not gonna get grapes from a bramble bush. Now James speaks about this in chapter two, doesn't he? When he talks about, in James chapter two and verse 14, he says, what good is it my brothers and sisters if someone claims to have faith, but does not have works? Can such a faith save him? He's talking about someone who understands things and, and might even agree. And this is the classic person that believes all the right things. They believe, but it doesn't change who they are. Mentally or intellectually, they understand the gospel, They don't have a problem with it, but they're missing the life-changing power of the gospel that takes over our lives and changes us. For us to be of the faith, there has to be more than just an agreement with some facts. There has to be more than an intellectual understanding that Jesus is the Savior. It goes beyond agreeing that he rose from the dead, doesn't it? It has to be life-changing when the power of the gospel radically transforms our lives and then we begin to reflect who he is by what we do now there 's nowhere this is more evident than how you live your life and a simple way to think about this is that this is our testimony now our testimony is often thought of of the words that we speak isn 't it you know our our testimony is is how I came to know christ and and how i 'm living for Christ, and I can tell someone that about that but but there 's something It's missing if there are words, but there are not deeds behind it. If there's words, but not actions behind it. I have to have those things in sync. It's a way for us to think about living for Christ. And it's bigger than my words. And I have to be able to to come to church on, on Sunday, perhaps, and speak the right words in this crowd. I might be able to do that. But if I leave and I'm like what James says that there's no evidentiary works behind my life, I'm not producing fruit, something's missing. My testimony is the deeds I'm doing before the Lord. Now, James is not encouraging us, nor is the Lord Jesus himself encouraging us to believe that we're saved by the works that we do, as if we could earn salvation. That's not it. What he's saying is when your life is changed, Your actions change. When your life is changed, your life changes uh, uh, from the inside out so that who you are, the character that you have, becomes evident to everyone. So now you're not recognized in the way that you used to be. You're recognized as being someone different. Now the key of this, of course, is your heart. When God changes your heart, the Holy Spirit's in control of your heart What you were recognized for changes from what you were in the past to who you are now. Paul addressed this with the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter six, in verse 11. I want you to listen to this because he says, some of you used to be like this. Before, but you were washed, he says, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. He's talking to this group of people and he's He's just gone through this big list of of people who are unrighteous and not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And he says, by the way, the church is filled up with people who used to be like this. It's not who we're supposed to be anymore. Some of you were like this. But there was a change in this church because their actions had been changed. It wasn't just that their mind had been changed, but their lives had been changed, their actions had been changed. And and people who were recognized as one way are now being recognized as totally different because of who they are in Christ. Jesus said, you don't get figs from thorns. Figs come from trees. You, You can't make it happen. You can't get them where they don't grow. Grapes don't grow in a bramble bush they grow on a vine, don't they? I mean, you, you can't get them where they don't grow. So you, you see this, this kind of picture that Jesus is giving to us. One is refreshing and sustaining and the other is totally worthless. You know, if you don't cultivate your yard correctly, eventually it's going to turn into thorns and thistles, isn't it? I mean, it's what overtakes and nobody wants that. It's not worth anything. You cut that stuff up and you throw it away and you burn it. But, but something refreshing like grapes when, when they're perfectly ripe or, or a good fig when it's perfectly ripe means it's a beautiful thing to be able to take that, but you can't find it where it doesn't grow. Good produces good. Bad produces bad. Now, if you were being honest with yourself, let me just ask you this question. How are you recognized at work? How are you recognized at home? How are you recognized in the community? Are you recognized as a believer first? Someone whose life has been changed to produce this good fruit? Because if you're known by your testimony, you're known by your actions, then people begin to recognize you as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just by the words that you say, but by the things that you do. There has to be a difference in your life. As one Professor has said and attributed this saying to Galen A farmer could never make a bramble bear grapes. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't take something that's bad and make it produce something that's good. It won't happen. What we're recognized for speaks to our character. It speaks to the life that we have in Christ. If Christ has changed us, it's, it becomes evidentiary for everyone. We begin to see it's it's just evident. It's not enough to know the right things. We have to be changed by them. The third principle is that the heart makes the mouth. The heart makes the mouth. Look at verse 45 one more time with me. A good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. When you don't speak in measured sentences because of who you are around, what does it sound like? I guess what I mean is, when you're not speaking in a filtered manner, what does it sound like? Uh, If you think about it like that, that's what we're talking about in this verse. Out of the overflow, what comes naturally? What rolls off the tongue? When you're at your most relaxed, your most comfortable, what comes out of your mouth? That's what Jesus is saying because the heart ultimately controls the mouth. And when you let your guard down, that's who you actually are. That, that's who you are. That's your character. Now sometimes at work we have to have decorum, don't we? We can't speak perhaps in the way that we want to speak or we come to church and we know that there are certain things that are off limits or, or we try to speak at home a certain way in, in front of our children. But what comes out of your mouth when you're unguarded? That's who you are. What does that sound like? A good person has a storeroom of good in their heart and what happens is it produces good things when they speak. Uh, they have good humor, and it doesn't have to be dirty. the The, the jokes can be funny, and, and they don't have to be just automatically in the gutter. It, it doesn't have to go there. I mean, anybody can get a laugh out of potty mouth humor, can't you? I mean, it, it's just not that hard. But a good person has that flow out. Uh, they, they encourage people. Uh, they don't tear people down. They bless people with what they say. Uh, it, it's like the scripture says. That to the pure, all things are pure. They they see things through a filter in their heart, their character that is different because God has done something that has changed their heart and the heart ultimately controls the mouth. The heart is is the seat of our character. It's a way of seeing through, I'm sorry, seeing things through a lens of a changed heart. What, What starts to happen is to the pure, all things being pure comes from our heart being pure. It's the kind of filter we want. It's not the kind of filter that you want where you just keep your, your mouth in check for a little while when you're around people, and, and then it just runs away when you get away from them. That's not the kind of filter we're talking about. We want the filter of a heart that's filled up with Jesus, filled up with the Holy Spirit's controlled, good things in our lives, so that that storeroom of our lives begins to produce those things. And this isn't the way an evil person responds or talks. What's stored in their heart produces evil. They speak harshly to people. They berate people. They criticize people. They swear. They curse. They tear people down. They take everything and twist it to the darker side. Everything has an innuendo with it. Everything has a a secondary meaning with it because everything is coming out of their heart and the heart is evil and it produces evil. When you think about things with a bent towards evil, That's what comes out. I want to challenge every one of us this week to really do a little bit of a self-assessment. To ask the Holy Spirit to to give us a little bit of a report card about our mouth. To to give us a, a report card about what naturally flows. Just think about that this week. Allow yourself a little bit of introspection and ask the Holy Spirit to put a magnifier on that so that you can see what's really deep down in your heart. Because for a lot of us, I think there's some things that just need to be cleansed out. They they need to be taken care of by the power of the Holy Spirit. That we need to ask the Lord to renew our heart and, and to give us a heart like His. We don't have that. It's kind of pitiful, isn't it? Because we know that we should be reflecting the Savior, but this is a great test for us to stop and consider how we speak about things because it's revealing. And notice I want you to, 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 to see again what Jesus said. He said that the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. Well, that means the condition of your heart is crucial. Proverbs chapter four, verse 23 The wisdom book says, guard your heart above all else for it is the source of life. Now that should grab your attention this morning and serve as a a warning sign to all of us, shouldn't it? When the writer of Proverbs tells us to guard our heart, it's not so that we can be careful like when we're dating and so that we're not disappointed. I mean, you, you should be careful. You know, I hope that you don't experience heartbreak in a relational sense. That's not fun for anyone. But he's talking about something much bigger than that, isn't he? He's not talking about, you know, make sure you, you protect your heart so that you don't get hurt. He's saying that your heart above everything else in your life is the source of life. So that's an important thing. To guard our heart means to, to, to mean that I need to watch what comes into my life because eventually that will come out of my life. I need to put a gate up and guard what comes in. You know, I, I shouldn't just, just, just have no border to those things to allow uh, whatever the world throws at me or whatever people throw at me just to come in unfiltered into my heart because the heart is the source of my life. And Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart or the overflow of the heart, my mouth is going to speak. It's going to reveal who I am. If you aren't careful about what you allow into your heart, you're going to find yourself speaking from that overflow. Overflow. You'll talk like that. So I need then to be careful, don't I, in some different areas. Maybe I, I should start by being careful by who I spend time with. If your best friends are all not believers, you're going to adopt those habits. Now look, we have to be engaged with, with, with people who aren't of this Uh, 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 of this tribe that we're a part of, uh, you know, that we are serving the Lord Jesus Christ because how else will we win them? You know, I mean, we all have friends that aren't believers, but if you spend the majority of your time with that, you will adopt that. Do you think you ought to be careful and put a gate up and, and be wise about what you consume in media? Do you think that 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 what we watch in YouTube and what we listen to and, and the news media cycles that we watch over and over again, do you think that that has an effect on your heart? I've never seen more people bitter and angry than I did over the last four, five, six, seven years. People just watch politics all the time. When you look at the news media, have you noticed that that they use words that they expect you to start using. News media headlines today say things like slammed. Can you imagine Walter Cronkite saying, President Trump slammed so-and-so, President Biden ripped so-and-so? I mean, that would be so, would be so funny, wouldn't it? But we take pleasure in that. Someone ripped somebody, somebody blasts somebody, somebody slammed somebody, and we get all worked up, we get all mad about it all the time, we're just in this frenzy. If that's you, you have a problem. If you're angry all the time, that gate isn't working, is it? Do you think Jesus was angered by politics all the time? I don't. He moved in and out of those circles just fine. Never affected by them, but constantly affecting them. Do you think that you ought to be careful what you listen to in in music? You know, I'm not here to tell you that that we should only listen to Christian music. There's great songs out there that, that aren't necessarily Christian in nature. That's not what it is. But you better have a discriminating fence up, shouldn't you? I was a young intern at a church in East Tennessee driving to fulfill my pastoral intern duties one day when I found myself in a very ironic moment singing the lyrics to Highway to Hell from ACDC <laughs> on my way to my church job. <laughs> Do you see a disconnect there? Needed to change the channel, didn't I? You, you see the disconnect? Something's not Right? We have to have a, a, a gatekeeper over our heart because our, our heart is the source. And, and what you start to allow in there, you'll start to live out. What you listen to and what you watch determines what you think about. What you think about finds your way to your heart, and what is in your heart finds its way to your mouth, and it speaks from the overflow of the, the heart. So, to guard your heart means that you can't leave your mind in neutral, it doesn't work. You have to think critically about these things because it's going to affect your life and you're going to produce fruit in keeping with the character of your heart. And it will affect your life in drastic ways, either for God's good, and notice that the word Jesus used was for evil. For God's good, Or for evil. I was recently watching a sports documentary about a coach. And uh, this coach had been kind of promoted in this documentary, kind of promoted as this coach was really effective, but he was very unorthodox in his approach. I mean, very outside the box in how he did things. And what they kind of said that made him unorthodox, honestly, is. Is how he speaks to his players, his staff, the passion that he brings to these kinds of things. But that whole thing came with a price, and in this documentary, in in one game, his team was blowing out the opponent. I mean, should have should have just, I mean, cleaned the, the floor with them. I mean, they they were doing it, and in one moment, you saw how everything changed because this coach lost his mind, started berating a player. The players players started berating him. He's over there on the sideline berating the player further. The player's giving it back to him. It led to a coach berating him. There's a physical altercation. They almost lose this game. What do you think you produce? I couldn't help but think about this passage. Because who he was was produced in his players. Who he was was produced in his staff. And and it just absolutely spiraled out of control. I know that we don't think words matter. And we can just say, I'm sorry, big deal, whatever, and move on. But do you know words matter to God? God used words for creative powers. How was the earth formed? He spoke it into being. What does he say about us? We sing that song, I am who you say I am. He says that we're a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. He calls us saints. I mean, there's so much to this about what's spoken over us. Some of us this morning need to have a heart check and our heart needs to get right. How's yours? Are you producing the fruit that's in keeping with repentance? Are you recognized by your actions in a way that honors God? Is that your testimony? If it's not, then it's time for us to have a checkup with the Holy Spirit this morning and just ask the Holy Spirit to make us into the image of Christ our Savior. Maybe it's time for us to repent and stop doing some things, hanging around some places, being with some people, consuming some things, and put that gate back up and do what the Scripture says and guard our hearts. We want the overflow of our hearts To let us be recognized as his children. That's our goal. Would you bow your heads? I want to just spend a moment in some quiet prayer. How's your heart this morning? And I don't mean how's your heart like you can fool the Lord, you don't have to answer it for me. It's for him. How's your heart? (laughs) Lord God, we want to be a people that lives our lives producing fruit that matches a relationship with you. Father, some of us are trying to get good fruit from a bad character, it's not gonna work. Would you convict us right now? Let our hearts be filled, Lord, with your goodness your grace your tender love and mercy and and Father may that produce in our lives something that draws the lost world to you may we be recognized as children of our heavenly Father God we want to produce a fruit that makes you pleased with us But some of us this morning need to repent. Lord, help us to see clearly and put a a magnifier on our lives this week as we go from here, that those unfiltered words, Lord, are revealing something about us. And we can't just say, that's not who I am. It is who we are if we're talking like that. I change our lives. And we ask this in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.